I confess I'm a bit relieved that the slutty sister, as my butt is nicknamed, is back in the game. Yeah. I like that. The I want to know what sister. the nice sister does. I want to know if there's like a mean brother involved. What's the family of origin story? What's going on? This podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please come back when you are of age. Welcome to the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin-based live storytelling series featuring smart, sexy stories. The highlight of each show is the participation of the audience members who have a chance to share their own secrets, wishes, and regrets in the form of anonymous confessions, which are then read aloud during the show. The performance you're about to hear was recorded on April 16th, 2015. Known on the bedpost stage as Teacher Kate, Kate pays homage to her mother by sharing her mom's dating advice with related reflections and disaster tales. Here is Kate. Okay, so Yummy Cock was, uh, well, probably not what you expected a married lesbian to say, but um, (laughs) Yummy Cock was the last line of an acrostic poem my mother composed in 2006. I was 21 and lacking the foresight and an emotional fortitude to preserve this document straight into the trash, but I hope the image of yummy cock in my mother's distinctive handwriting stays with me all the rest of my days. My mom died of breast cancer four years ago. Uh, No, it's okay. It's going to be good. She was 55, and just the other day I had a nice, loud, ugly cry in the front of the YMCA because I wanted to talk to her so badly. I miss having a mom. I miss her as my mom. Um, I miss her, Chris, the person. She was a D student who aced the SAT. Anything she did with her hands, sewing, painting, basket weaving, wallpaper hanging, cake decorating, meatball making, flawless. Uh, At holidays, she decorated rolls of pennies for the bingo gamblers at the old folks' home. She was a holy terror if you pissed her off. I painted my toenails tonight because it was her rule if you wore open-toed shoes. (laughs) But she was also the most perceptive and empathetic person I've ever met. And as we all know, she loved men, loved sex, thought cocks were yummy. And over the years, she gave some really great advice on sex and dating. So with Mother's Day coming up, I present Chris's Guide to Romance. Chrisism number one, don't waste the pretty. The first Saturday morning of college, I woke up next to a cute girl. We'd bonded over our recent breakups with high school boyfriends and our mutual interest in drinking drinking grain alcohol punch out of trash cans. Just a few hours before she'd been writhing on my dorm room floor, I did not know that a toothbrush holder could feel this good. All that beautiful passion, and now she was shunning me. The problem was not actually the toothbrush holder. I had tried using my personal dildo on her. I was raised right, I'm a good hostess. But she was all, Is it even in? How does this even feel good to you? 
okay, so maybe my dick was glow-in-the-dark and therefore not a dick at all. And maybe it was only mine because I had paid $16.99 for it. But it was my only comrade in this quest to make this other woman feel good. And I felt very protective of it and my virility. And at the same time, I was feeling inadequate as a man. I felt like a failure as a woman. Apparently, womanly women, the alpha females, have alpha pussies that want alpha dick. And buying a data dick, wait, beta dick, meant I had a beta pussy. And I had spent all this time as a teenager worrying about the smell and the taste and the symmetry of my pussy. But now capacity was on the rubric, too. <laughs> Straight people, how do you even live under the crushing weight of heteronormativity? <laughs> After she left, I, uh, a friend requested her on Facebook. <laughs> Clearly, I did not get what my mom meant by don't waste the pretty, which is... Life is short, lots of fish in the sea, have some like just minimal baseline respect for yourself. It can also mean the whole family talked about it and we hate the person you're dating. <laughs> in order to embrace my mom's philosophy, I had to let go of the idea that if something is difficult, then it's automatically worthwhile. Easy does not get enough credit. We don't respect easy A's, easy women, or taking the easy way out. But I started to realize that all I got out of my hardest relationships was no room to be myself. Two months after my mom died, I was flat on my back, watching a friend fuck my wife a few inches above my eyes. Sometimes you have to literally face your fears. It turned out not to be scary at all. In fact, it was very cool, very sensual, super fun, and I could freely say yes because our relationship is spacious enough, simple enough, that I can say, hell no. Criticism number two, if I can find your sex toys, so can your little brother. <laughs> Corollary, if you hide a pornographic novel behind a thicket of badminton rackets in an unused cupboard in your grandmother's house, then your dad will go looking for badminton rackets. <laughs> the central thesis of Henry Miller's Opus Pastorum uh, is thumbs up to peeing in women's butts. Yeah. In this book, penises go everywhere that penises can go. There is also a date rape, a date gang rape, a corrective rape of a butch lesbian. After parents have sex with their teenage children, it is a bomb for the heart when the teenagers have sex with adults of no relation. It took very few paragraphs to comprehend the terrible mistake I had made in reassuring the bookstore clerk that my English teacher had recommended it. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good progressive school, I said, because fucking 17-year-olds are terrible. <clears throat> Thanksgiving Day, five years later, my father spent half of Macy's parade all of the dog show, and the first quarter of a football game peering through his bifocals at the bluest book in the English language. I sat on the couch across the room with my little brother, astrally projecting myself into a happier realm, <laughs> one without bohemian authors, fathers, or butts. 
I think of this day, this idyllic family holiday, when my students' parents tell me to trust their children. As a teenager, I enjoyed tap dancing and classic literature. I tutored classmates in math, I edited the school newspaper, and I got a National Merit Scholarship. And one night in 11th grade, I did three shots of Bacardi O, threw up, and lost my virginity in a friend's basement. We threw the bloody condom behind his mother's washing machine. I smoked crack weed once by accident, and then again on purpose. <laughs> and for five years, I hid a book about peeing in butts in my grandmother's house. <laughs> I love my students. I don't tr trust them at all. <laughs> Criticism number three, when you visit family, do it on the floor so we can't hear the bed springs. <laughs> 2006 began inauspiciously. My college boyfriend convinced me that if I loved him, I'd give up my vibrator, including the crackweed, dumbest thing I have ever agreed to. Then I knocked out my front teeth. Then I developed a drug-resistant yeast infection, which lasted three years, along with an allergy to monostat. That was a fun discovery. My mom wrote an acrostic poem, D-A-D-D-Y, Daddy, Y for yummy cock. And just as I reached the worst stage of growing out a buzz cut, my house was overtaken by fleas. I'd been up hunting fleas for three days when boyfriend dumped me for a girl unvisited by plagues, which, like, fair enough. <laughs> Maybe we should take a break, he said. In other words, I'm going to fuck other people and tell you about it. The first thing I did was have violent diarrhea and cry hysterically on the floor among my flea friends. <laughs> Obviously. Then I matured and proceed, proceeded to brown liquor and incessant masturbation. <laughs> I spent the summer at my grandma's. Poor grandmother. Um, every night I flopped down on a mattress on the floor in the only position I could come. Head down, ass up right wrist going numb from twisting into the perfect angle. And by July, my clit was like so dead that I took a full hour to come. My whole arm would lose feeling. I got bored of my own fantasies, obviously. And eventually I noticed that feeling kind of grossed out and uncomfortable could help like edge me over. So I started thinking about stuff that grossed me out. But you can't guess what I thought about. It was being in butts. <laughs> the whole summer was an exercise in self-flagellation. You have to hate yourself a lot to masturbate for a full hour when you're not even horny and it's physically painful. <laughs> Chris had her own travails. It was two years before the cancer diagnosis, but she was pretty heavily into blackout alcoholism all at my grandmother's house. And then there was a night that started out totally normal. I'm drunk and in position to have a miserable time getting myself off. I can hear my mother coming up the stairs. And at the top of the, she opens the door, not to her room, but to mine. 
My naked behind is right there in front of the door. And there's this moment, this moment pregnant with um, total oblivion. Neither of us notices a damn thing. There's no flash of mortification. Neither of us goes, you know what? I really need to fix my fucking life. (laughs) No, she walks over me like I am a pile of old newspapers in a hoarder's house, just high steps right over my bare ass. I didn't even realize she was in the room until I heard the toilet flush a few feet away. Uh, Nothing changed after that. (laughs) Clearly, criticism number four had not sunk in yet. Think highly of yourself. Criticism number five, do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) Um, So the two weeks Chris was in the hospital before she lost consciousness, I was desperate to say the right things, to find the magic sentences that would fix things between us, make it okay that she was dying. Searching for words was like, you haven't eaten for hours, and you're rummaging around in your purse. You're like, please, a bag of airline peanuts. But all you have is two Tic Tacs stuck to a dirty penny. It wasn't okay, and she wasn't ready, but my mom died anyway. And then I found all the words at once, kneeling next to her bed, my face pressed to her arm as it went cold. The closest I came to saying goodbye was asking because I never had, if she minded that I was with the woman, because I thought Catherine was probably going to be the person for me, and Chris said the perfect thing. She said, the real thing, honey, is do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) One of my funniest memories of my mom is from the summer before she started chemo. We were at a party in a basement bar. The first thing you notice about the decor is the lingering smell of feces. (laughs) The ceiling is low and covered in trellis, so you can hang from it while you're dancing. I bartended there for several summers. And on this particular evening, I was hanging from the ceiling, my legs wrapped around Catherine's neck. Very cleverly, I was thrusting my crotch into her face in time with the music. And then suddenly, I was making eye contact with my mother. I was not after her yet, and I'm still grateful for her reaction. In one motion, she raised her glass of white wine to her lips, shrugged, and smiled. Also at that bar that night was my very handsome childhood friend. The next day, he told me that he went to give Chris a normal kiss goodnight on the cheek, but she turned her head and smooched him square on the mouth (laughs) for an unseemly long time and then cracked up laughing as she walked away into the night. (laughs) Fuck yeah, Ma. Thank you all for listening. Teacher Kate started reading at Bedpost in its first year and still has a great time every time. She teaches high school math and tap dances for fun. She and her wife have the same first name. 
Bed Post Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina of MiaOnTop.com, Julie Gillis of JulieGillis.com, Sadie Smythe of SadieSmythe.com, and managed by Sarah Henry of O. Henry Events. Podcast audio production by Ian Danskin of Innuendo Studios. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bed Post Confessions at BedPostConfessions.com. Find Bed Post Confessions most active on Facebook and less so on Twitter. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess. Oh, I should say I need to do these two together. Okay, go okay. go for it. All right. I confess. I once drove my best friend to a booty call and had her wait eight hours in the car for her. Uh, next time she needs to take a taxi. I hope it was worth it. Wow. Now, hang on. Okay. I confess. I had my best friend drive me to a booty call. <laughs> And wait eight hours at a coffee shop until I was done, and then she drove me home. She still hates coffee to this day. Wow. I confess. Last week, my girlfriend was so loud, so loud, during sex that her daughter woke up and asked if she was okay. My girlfriend could only think to say, I fell off the bed. (laughs) So her daughter then came into the room to snuggle, so she felt better. (laughs) Ah, parenthood. Exactly.